In the name of God who creates, redeems, and sanctifies. Amen. Amen. Please sit. A few years ago, when it came out, um, someone made me watch the movie Monkey Kingdom. Has anyone seen that? Come on, there must be kids who have seen this. It's a Disney movie that follows a troop of monkeys. You see sort of their life story. And it focuses on one monkey in particular whose name is Maya. And because it's a story of life and personalities, there are some pieces of it that are a little severe, honestly, sort of very lifelike, actually. Um, but there's one scene in it that I really want us to look at tonight, and it's, it's a scene about four monkeys leaving the forest and breaking into somebody else's house. And they climb in through the window, and the first monkey starts sort of throwing spices and everything all over the floor, just starts making a huge mess. The next one comes in and starts shoveling snacks into his mouth like he's never seen food before. Some of them start running away back into the forest with big vegetables and, and loaves of bread. And then all of a sudden the camera pans and we see, and they see, a very big pink birthday cake. And in just an instance, it's gone. I mean, just quicker than you can imagine, it's gone. And the monkeys have little pink and chocolate hands everywhere, little pink chocolate things all over their face, and they're leaving all of these little handprints everywhere. And the narrator says, look, there's no evidence of the fact they were ever here. But clearly there is, because there's icing and sugar and chocolate everywhere. The monkeys have just sort of had the best day of their life, capped off by the fact that now they know what pink icing tastes like, and they're pretty excited about that. It reminds me of how much we like a good mess, right? In the midst of that scene, what we really have is something that is not so different from us after all. We like a good mess. Which one of us has not seen a, a five-year-old with finger paint all over their hands try to sort of wipe it on you and on the furniture and on the walls? We like a good mess, even as adults. When we're painting or we're baking or we're cooking, we get stuff all over our hands, and when that happens, it's hard to not sort of spread it everywhere, sort of leave little, little pieces of the mess. But I guess there's a difference between a good mess and a bad mess, right? It's all about your perspective at the end of the day. But sometimes when we get into it, we can't help but sort of spread it around, particularly when it's good stuff, and maybe when it's something we love, something that's fulfilling, something that brings us joy, maybe we shouldn't try so hard not to share the mess. Maybe there's something gleeful and delightful in the middle of that. Tonight we gather again to hear a story that many of us have heard many, many times before, a story of shepherds and angels, a story of a child and of parents, a story of people, flesh and blood, who lived just like we do. This story takes place in a time that's very much like ours. It's a time of hope and joy. It's a time of despair and division. It's a time when people are sick and hungry. It's a time when people are grieving. It's a time when there are newlyweds and when there are people who are newly pregnant and there are things to celebrate. It's a time just like this one. This story happens in a time and a moment just like this. 
because in reality, people haven't changed all that much. If you look past sort of the, the differences of technology and travel and the trappings of the modern age, we as creatures haven't really changed. And so this story that comes to us tonight happens to these people in much the same way. And they experience it in much the same way as we do, and it's a bit of a mess. I think sometimes when we come to church on Christmas Eve, we are, we are dressed up, and unless you brought a small one who has sticky hands themselves, we look very squared away, all of us, at least as far as everyone else can see. And in reality, the story that we're hearing is messy, and we lose a little bit of that because of the beauty of the night, and there's nothing wrong with that necessarily, but to understand the story, we have to understand that it was also a little bit of a mess, that these were people, people who breathed and lived just like we did, and any time you bring a child into the world, there's bound to be a bit of a mess. They go on to make a mess for a long time, right? We hear this story again each year to remind us that God comes to be in the middle of the mess with us, that this actually is God's best day, because the precious thing that God goes looking for, the thing that makes it different for God, is you. God takes on flesh and blood and comes into the mess of the world in a moment that looks just like this one, to come after you, to find you, because you are beloved. And the point of this story is that we can sort of look at the mess and begin to find our place in it. Sometimes we're the shepherds who need to hear the story again and then go on a bit of a journey. We have to choose to go and follow him, to go and find him, to go and see this child. It's not like the shepherds hear this news and they go, hey, great, thanks, angels, we're good now. Instead, they drop what they're doing. They hear the story, they dare to believe that the story is true, and they drop what they're doing and go to see it. Sometimes when we hear this story, we are Mary and Joseph who are worried, who are parents, who are bringing something new into the world that maybe we don't quite know or understand yet. Sometimes we've just taken a journey that was difficult, as theirs was. Sometimes I think when we hear this story, we are actually the angels who know someone who needs to hear the story, to hear that the day of freedom has come, to hear that you are precious and God's beloved. Sometimes we are the ones who have to go and tell that story. But we can't actually do any of that or find our place in it unless we are first willing to imagine the people, the story, the messiness of it, and what God is willing to do in order to make it happen. God's love comes to us on Christmas like sort of sticky, sugary goodness. And when it becomes real for us, then we have trouble kind of wiping it off. And if we're wise, we stop trying, and we start being happy about the fact that we're leaving little loving handprints, little sparks of light all over the rest of the world so that other people might come to know that love too. And the truth is, we see this in the life of Jesus all the time. In everything that he does when he's here with us on earth, he sort of makes a bit of a mess, because while that love is patient and kind, it's also wild and fierce and strong, and it turns everything upside down. The promise of Jesus' life and the promise of Christmas is that there is never anyone so lost 
There is never anything so broken. There is never not enough room at the table. There is always more. And God will always come find us, even into the midst of what is sort of messy. The difference here is that good mess versus bad mess, the gleeful, excited, fulfilling mess of the five-year-old or the monkey that's just found the icing, the fulfillment that comes from knowing that you are beloved and then being able to share it. So I invite you tonight, if you've heard this story for the first time or the 50th time or the 200th time or you can't count and you're kind of tired of hearing it, to imagine again the mess to look at the mess that we all have in our own lives, and to imagine that God is trying to break into your life, your mess, your place, with love that is sticky, with love that doesn't go away, with love that, if you take it in, will change everything for you. And love that eventually will rub off and make a bit of a mess elsewhere. The invitation tonight is to imagine your place in this mess, to imagine yourself as somebody who contributes to the good mess of the world, to love being spilled out and shared, to come and make a mess with God. Amen. <laughs>